Welcome to Ashwood. Dark Stories for Bright Minds. Duplicity. It was supposed to be a bright summer day. The forecast had said warm, sunny skies. That morning when Michael had left his apartment, it was still hot outside. He was wearing a t-shirt and shorts. He had not even packed a jacket. However, now he was driving through the windy mountain roads, unable to see anything through the heavy rainfall. The deluge had fallen out of nowhere, and under any other circumstance, Michael would have immediately turned around and headed home. However, he was on his way to meet his fiancée and her family for their wedding rehearsal. Samantha and everyone else had arrived the day before, but Michael had decided to arrive today. He could only take off so many days from work, and he would rather use it for his honeymoon. Michael drove slowly and carefully through the serpentine road. The sides of the narrow road were flooded. The steep mountain wall to his right made it impossible to see if there were any cars coming in the opposite direction. As a result, he was forced to drive through the puddles in his lane, rather than drive around them and risk running into an oncoming car. His heart was racing, and in spite of the cold, he was covered in sweat. He was scared that he might lose control and fall off the side of the road any second, and the rain did not have any sympathy for his situation. As he pressed deeper into the mountain, the rain pushed harder against him. He had the uneasy feeling that it was trying to tell him to go back home. Of course, he knew that was nonsense. Michael tried to distract himself by thinking of Samantha. He thought about how they were going to start their new lives together. He imagined what she might look like in her wedding dress as she walked up the aisle. He imagined what their wedding night would be like, and what he could hope to expect for the rest of their lives. In spite of the extreme pleasure he got from those thoughts, it did very little to alleviate the stress he felt in his current predicament. Soon the clouds got so thick that it was dark as night. He could barely see a few feet in front of the car, and the car was beginning to drift every few minutes when he drove over a big puddle. As much as he hated to do it, he finally decided that he would need to pull over at the next opportunity and wait out the storm. Unfortunately, he did not know the area very well so he was unsure where that would be. After several minutes, he turned another corner and came upon a short, flat area. It was a small valley surrounded on all sides by steep mountain walls. For the first time in miles, the road was straight and he could actually see ahead, in spite of the darkness and rain. Right in the middle of the small valley was a large house. There were a few dim lights on, and he could see movement in the windows. Michael did not relish the idea of stopping by some stranger's house to wait out a terrifying storm. He had seen those movies before, and they never ended well. Nevertheless, he knew he had little choice, and decided it was the safest thing to do. He turned up their driveway and parked directly in front of the house. Before getting out, he tried several times to call Samantha on his phone, but there was no reception. Michael figured he could ask for the Wi-Fi inside the house, and then call. He paused for a moment, took a deep breath, and then opened the car door. The sound of the rain was immense. 
he had never heard anything like it. The deep rumble echoed on the mountain walls all around them. It sounded as if he was surrounded by an army of men shrieking violently at one another. It was such an unpleasant sound that he covered his ears and he ran through the rain to the front door. He rang the bell and waited anxiously for someone to answer. The screaming noise seemed to grow louder as he stood on the porch of the mansion. Finally, the door creaked open. As if by instinct, Michael jumped inside and slammed the door shut behind him. He breathed a sigh of relief as the sound had been reduced to a low hum inside the house. However, he quickly realized that he had just forced his way into a stranger's home. He panicked and turned away from the door to find himself standing in front of a short, old man in a black suit and white shirt. He looked shocked and Michael begged forgiveness and tried to explain his situation. As his story went on, the man's expression changed from surprised to a look of contented understanding. Finally, when Michael had reached the end of his story, the old man assured Michael that everything was alright and led him to another room. The house was even bigger than it looked on the outside. He had never seen anything like it. He felt like he was walking through a royal palace. There were giant paintings that looked to be centuries old. There were expansive sitting rooms, and the house was full of antique furniture and finishes. It gave Michael a strange feeling, as if he had gone back in time. At one point in the long walk to the back of the house, as Michael was following directly behind the short man that Michael now assumed must be a butler, he noticed something peculiar. The butler was walking with one hand pressed behind himself, and he was rubbing two golden coins together in his fingers. Michael thought very little of it and returned to admiring the beautiful home. They eventually made it to a room at the back of the house, right next to the dining room, where there was a large couch and table next to a massive fireplace adorned in marble carvings of cherubs. The room was mostly dark as the only source of light at the time was the crackling fire. When they stopped, Michael asked for the other man's name. The short man responded by bowing so low that his forehead nearly touched the floor. Upon returning to a standing position, he responded in an airy voice with all the confidence in the world. You may call me James. Might I request your name as well? Nice to meet you, James. I'm Michael. Sir Michael, the pleasure is entirely mine. No, just Michael. Very well, Sir Michael. Michael chuckled to himself, and James smiled back and offered him a drink. Without waiting for a response, James poured a generous amount of bourbon into a glass and handed it to him. He motioned to Michael to have a seat and excused himself. Michael sat silently for a moment, staring at the fire, and wondering if Samantha was beginning to worry yet. He checked his phone for a connection and there was nothing and the house did not seem to have Wi-Fi available either. Michael let out a long, deep sigh and slouched back onto the sofa. His eyes watered as he thought about the prospect of being stuck in this house on the night before his wedding. His imagination ran wild as he imagined the storm getting worse and worse, forcing him to remain in this house tomorrow as well. He thought about Samantha in tears on what would be the day of their wedding, wondering if her husband had ran out on her. Or even worse, he imagined her driving out into the storm looking for him and falling off a cliff on the mountain road, 
Finally, Michael raised the glass to his lips and took a whiff of it. The smell of the bourbon was exquisite. He noticed notes of cherry, smoke, caramel, and apples. There was also a deep floral scent that he could not recognize. He took a small sip, and those same notes filled his mouth with a rich complexity unlike any other whiskey he had ever tried. It went down smooth with a clean finish, and Michael knew he would have to ask James where it came from. Just as he was about to take another sip, he heard very soft footsteps behind him, and James clearing his throat. Michael turned around to greet James again, and was surprised to see that James was accompanied with a woman. She was also short, but unlike James, was young and beautiful. She had large lavender eyes and full red lips. Her hair was pulled back, but it was so long that the wild black curls still fell past and around her shoulders. She was wearing a very small black night robe that made her pale skin seem to shine in the firelight. Michael could not help but follow the curves of her body with his eyes as she approached him. Her robe was doing very little to cover up her body, and the way she walked was nearly hypnotizing. However, with his mind returning to Samantha, Michael shook his head slightly, took a gulp of the whiskey, and stood up to greet the woman. James introduced her as Madeline, the owner of the house. Having never been introduced to someone this way, Michael did not know how to react. He bowed his head a little and mumbled, nice to meet you, then looked back at James, hoping for some kind of help. Madeline smiled at Michael and extended her hand to him. Still feeling very awkward, Michael grabbed her hand gently and gave it a small kiss. He then lowered her hand, but for reasons he did not understand, he did not let go. They remained in a long, uncomfortable silence. Madeline gazed deep into his eyes with a wide smile and squeezed Michael's hand firmly. In the quiet of the moment, the only thing that could be heard was the fire, the muted din of the rain beating against the house, and James rubbing the coins behind his back. Once again, Michael found himself in a daze, and he had to force himself to snap out of it. He looked away from her and stared into the fire again. In the corner of his eye, he saw Madeline sit down on the sofa. James quietly poured a glass, handed it to her, and excused himself. Michael listens to the sound of his footsteps and the coins rubbing together slowly disappear into the abyss of a house behind them. Michael felt very strange being left in the room with this beautiful woman, so he tried to focus on the fire. However, he felt something cold touch his hand. When he looked down, he saw that Madeline was reaching forward and handing him his glass. His eyes slowly moved from the glass to her hand, up her arm, and stopped on her chest. As she leaned toward him, her blouse had opened up to the point where he could almost see her entire body underneath. She either did not notice or care, and she remained in the same position, holding the glass against the back of his hand, her eyes piercing into his own. Without speaking any words, he brought the glass to his lips and took another short sip. What happened next was a blur to Michael. Over the course of the night, Michael went from idle chat with Madeline on the couch to retreating to her bed to stay there for the night. In spite of the countless thoughts he had that it was a terrible idea, he succumbed to temptation and accepted as Madeline gave herself to him. Before long, any thoughts of Samantha had slipped away, 
and all he could think about were those passionate moments he was sharing with Madeline. They fell asleep holding one another in her bed, warmed by their own bodies wrapped around each other under the blankets. Many hours later, Michael jerked awake. Terror swept over him as he realized what he had done. He saw Madeline resting quietly next to him. In spite of her beauty, the sight of her made Michael feel sick. He was only hours away from getting married, yet here he was, covered in a sweat that felt like the rancid residue of infidelity. He slowly crept out of the covers. Madeline was in a deep sleep so she did not move a muscle the whole time. He got dressed, made sure he had all of his things, and went outside. To his surprise and relief, the skies were now completely clear. The stars shone brilliantly across a sky that was just beginning to change colors as morning approached. He got into his car and sped away, hoping to never see the house again. He drove up the straight path, watching the house get smaller in the rearview mirror. Finally, the road began to wind again, and the house disappeared behind the steep walls of the mountain. Soon he was getting closer to the town where Samantha would be waiting for him. Tears flowed down Michael's face as he discerned what to do. Should he tell Samantha about what happened? Or should he sweep it under the rug and act like nothing ever happened? What was worse, admitting his unfaithfulness or keeping a lie for the rest of his life? Suddenly, his phone started vibrating. Dozens of notifications came pouring in all at once. Michael was excited to see that he finally had reception, so he pulled over as soon as he had the chance and pulled out his phone so that he could call Samantha. He was surprised when the phone rang and rang, but kept going to voicemail. He had assumed Samantha would be waiting by the phone for him to call, but she was not picking up. After several failed attempts to reach her, he decided to check his messages. They were all from Samantha. Michael's face dropped as he read the messages. She was telling him not to come. She was calling off the wedding. Michael immediately thought that somehow Samantha already knew what he had done. However, Samantha continued to say that she was no longer in love with him. She had fallen in love with another man from work and had been cheating on Michael for months. She tried to cut ties with the man, but they kept going back to each other. The man had shown up to their wedding rehearsal to beg her not to get married, and she had agreed. Michael remained parked on the side of the road long enough for the sun to rise and shine brightly in the sky. He sat quietly, staring into space, thinking about what had happened. Here he was beside himself with grief over what he had done the night before, when Samantha was probably doing the exact same thing with this guy from work. The whole time they were engaged, planning their wedding, picking out her dress, inviting friends and family to celebrate their love for one another, she was with someone else. Finally, he wiped his eyes, turned the car around, and headed back. At first, he had only thought of returning home and throwing out anything that would remind him of Samantha, but then he remembered Madeline. He thought about the night before and how fortunate it was that he was with her and not with his fiancée and her lover. Who knows what might have happened if he was there to see this other man show up and try to break up their wedding. Michael no longer regretted what had happened. He decided to go back to Madeline's house 
and see if he could spend more time with her. He felt a weight fall off his shoulders as he was now looking forward to seeing Madeline again. He drove quickly through the bright morning sun. His heart jumped with anticipation as he turned the last corner before the valley where Madeline's house was waiting for him. As he got closer, he was shocked to see the house looked very different in the daylight. Whereas before it had seemed in very good condition, now it looked in dire need of some renovation. The paint was peeling and many of the wooden beams on the front porch were rotten. Michael ran up and knocked on the door. His heart pounded as he waited for an answer, but it never came. He knocked again and called out to James and Madeline, but there was no answer. Finally, he checked the handle and was surprised to see that it was unlocked. Michael stepped inside and gasped at what he saw. The ground was soaking wet and rotten. The furniture was all broken and falling apart. The air smelled of mold and decay. Michael looked outside again, wondering if maybe this was the wrong house. He was confused as he saw that this was the only house in the whole valley, and this had to be it. In spite of his better judgment, Michael proceeded deeper into the house. He wandered around, calling out to Madeline and James, but they were nowhere to be found. Eventually, he found his way back to what he recognized was the door to Madeline's room. He turned to the knob and stuck his head inside. Unlike the rest of the house, this room seemed to be just as he had remembered. It was well kept, clean, and just as warm as the night before. He slowly stepped inside as his mind raced, trying to make sense of what was going on. He saw Madeline's form underneath the blankets and her small robe on the floor, so he approached the bed and sat down next to her. He placed a hand on her and waited for her to awake. When she did not move, he shook the covers, but she still remained just as still as when he had left earlier that morning. Finally, losing his patience, he pulled the blanket away. Michael let out a loud scream and stumbled backward onto the ground. Lying there in the bed was an old corpse. It must have been lying there for decades or more because it was shriveled and dry. There was no stench of decay and the body was reduced nearly to just the bones. It lay there, the mouth hanging open wide, staring up to the ceiling. However, the scariest thing was not the corpse itself. It was the two shiny gold coins resting on her eyes. Today's story was written and narrated by me, Joey Kluge. Music and editing by Stephen Reeder. If you enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast. Also, it would be a great help to us if you could leave us a good review. You can learn more about Ashwood at www.ashwoodstories.com. We also have a store with Ashwood merchandise at the same address, www.ashwoodstories.com. You can also follow us on social media at Ashwood Stories. As always, thank you for listening. Stay bright, everyone.